May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Oh, I think it was last summer, maybe um, maybe last spring, uh, my son Benjamin and a few of his friends um, decided to go up to Cleveland. Benjamin does a lot of um, uh, photography and videography, and so they um, they get these uh, friends of theirs to serve as models, and they go and they, they do these photo shoots all kinds of places and do kind of creative things with photography. And they love to go to the city and kind of have this industrial backdrop, you know, and, and then, you know, whatever they do in terms of, you know, making uh, doing photography in that sort of setting. Well, they were up there doing this and uh, spent most of the day and everybody got hungry, so let's go get something to eat. And, and so they go to a restaurant and they, um, they go in and they, you know, get something to eat. And, and Benny said he got kind of full early or whatever, and so he decided to go up, uh, get up and go outside and get some air and just kind of hang out for a minute. And so he goes outside of the restaurant and, um, and he kind of kneels down against the, the wall of the restaurant outside sitting on the sidewalk. I should say something about Benjamin in case you don't know this, is that he has his own sort of eclectic fashion sense, okay? Um, sometimes, you know, the ripped jeans, uh, suspenders over a sweater, mismatched socks. I mean, it, it's a good look, um, but, but you kind of got to know it and expect it, if you know what I mean. And, and so he's probably, one day I told him he looked like a, a Dutch dairy farmer, you know, like, what are you doing? Um, and, and so here he is, he's outside this restaurant, kind of squatting down, back against the wall on the sidewalk. And this um, woman, about his mother's age, maybe a little older, and she walks by and she's well-dressed and, and she looks at him and she stops for a moment and she has a, he says this sort of pensive look on her face. And he's thinking to my, himself, like, what is she thinking, you know? And, and, and she opens up her purse and she reaches in and digs around for a little bit and pulls out a $5 bill. And she leans down and she hands it to him and she says, you're too young to be living this way. <laughs> and walks off. And Benny looked at the money and said, that was easy. Uh, and you know, <laughs> stuck it in his pocket and went on. You know, things aren't always as they seem. Uh, Jesus enters into um, Galilee. John has, uh, has sort of finished his ministry. Jesus enters in in Mark's gospel, proclaiming the good news of God. But before he arrives, there is um, a whole culture that is built up about the speculation of what it's going to be like when God comes to rule Israel, when God comes to sort of set things right in Israel, when the kingdom of heaven would break in. And it's important to know that nobody in Jesus' world thought about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, as some, you know, um, mythical or mystical place where disembodied spirits go after they die. Nobody thought of it like that at all. They didn't think of heaven as a place. They thought of heaven as, as the space that God occupies. And so the question was, when would heaven come to earth? When would God begin to rule in Israel as God had done in generations past? Um, N.T. Wright, a scholar, writes this, The kingdom of heaven, as in Matthew's gospel, does not refer to a place called heaven where God's people go after death. It refers to the rule of heaven, that is, of God being brought to bear in the present world. So the idea of heaven itself, dramatically different, but also the idea of what would precipitate the coming of heaven into this world was also quite um, interesting. There were people 
religious Jews of Jesus' day who believed that God was going to come, return, as the prophets had said, and rule Israel. Remember, they had been ruled by pagans for hundreds of years. The Babylonians had invaded. After them, the Persians took over. After them, the Greeks took over. After them, the Romans took over. So Israel was like an occupied territory for hundreds of years. And the great religious hope is, when is God going to come and set us free? When are things going to be set back the way they should be? The good old days of David and Solomon. And there were three basic ideas of ways in which people could bring the kingdom of God into the world. The first one was isolation. There were a group of people who said, you know what, you can't be involved in any of the world and live a holy life. We have to get out of here. Okay, and so they gathered in little groups and they went down to the Dead Sea and they made these homes in caves and they lived there. Um, it, perhaps you've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. This, there are libraries that they left behind. These people were not stable in every way. You know, they left society, got out in the in the the, the Dead Sea area where there were no people, no towns, or whatever. Here we can live a holy life, and this will bring this will will speed along the coming of the kingdom. There were other people who said isolation is the idea, but there's a different type of isolation. We're going to live in the world, but we're not going to be of it. We're going, to be a, we're going to be a special class of people. And so if you weren't living according to their rules, they wouldn't talk to you or have anything to do with you. These people, if you ever read the New Testament, are called the Pharisees. And they had this sense in which they were holier than other people and that they would be, they would be contaminated by contact with normal human beings. Um, and so isolation, one big way, either social isolation or actually physical, physically isolating there was another group that were sort of compromised people. If you've read the New Testament, they are often called the Sadducees. And they had a philosophy that went like this. If I'm rich, that means I'm blessed. And so what they would do is they would kind of build these alliances with the Romans and, and they would um, sort of dilute all the religious teaching that they had. But it made them wealthy. It made them the ruling aristocracy. And they figured, look, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's it's when you're rich. And so they, um, they had their own sort of way of doing things. And then the last group were, were fighters, zealots, um, Sakari. These were people who were um, what we would call terrorists. They would call themselves freedom fighters. You know, they were, they were going to fight and bring in the kingdom by force. And um, there are people who would often have daggers up their sleeves. They would wear robes um, not totally unlike what I have on. They would have a robe and they would have a, a, a dagger strapped to their forearm. And they would try to force crowds, you know, especially around Roman soldiers. And when they would come near a soldier, they would pull that dagger out and stab them and try to slip it back in and slip back into the crowd. They wanted to start a war, a holy war, in which the people of God would rise up and, and Israel would be liberated. And this would bring the kingdom into the world. So these main ways, isolation, isolate yourself, God will see that you're good, he'll come and save us. Doesn't really matter, compromise, you know, just do what you want, get along with the rich people. If you turn out rich, well, then you see the kingdom came to you. Or the zealots, the fighters, who thought, bring about a war, start a war, and, um, and this will bring the kingdom into the world. Jesus shows up at the beginning of Mark's gospel, and he's preaching proclaiming uh, in Greek, to cry out, he's shouting out, 
The kingdom of heaven is near. Right? Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of heaven is, the kingdom of God in, in Mark is right here. It's, it's at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Now about you, but I like good news. Here's what I do at my house on basically a daily basis. Um, I look for the mail truck to come. I don't know why I still think it's going to come from the U.S. Post Office, but I have this belief that it does. You know, and so um, I look for the mail truck, and, and the mail driver and I, we're on, like, speaking terms. You know, we're, we're out there, and she's telling me about her daughters and her kids and where they're going, and I'm telling her about my – her mail route doesn't get done usually on time because of me. But anyway, uh, I, I wait for her to come by, and, um, and, and I rush out there because I think that there might be, like, a personal note an invitation to a party, or that I'm going to win the publisher's clearinghouse. You know, that's going to happen. I'm going to go out there and find the $10 million in the mailbox. And so I go out there, and you know what you do. You flip through everything and like, no, no, no. Oh, that's the electric company. I don't want to read that. You know, and I move on, um, and I save all those, and I look for the ones that are handwritten or that are from the publisher's clearinghouse. I like good news. Jesus says, believe the good news. Yes, I'm in. It's the repent part that sometimes is qualifying to me, you know. Repent and believe the good news. And repent sort of doesn't sound like the sort of thing that you would look for in the mailbox. Repent are the bills, right? Um, It's not the invitation or the sweepstakes winnings. But I don't think Jesus means the same thing by repent that we often think. I think when we hear the word repent, we think that means feel bad and guilty about all the bad things you've done and, um, and you know, don't do them anymore. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what he's saying. Metanaeo in Greek means, meta means after, and naeo is to think. Have an afterthought. Rethink your understanding of what kingdom means. Rethink what God is doing in the world and what God's plans for the world are. And then he calls fishermen. Stop doing what you're doing and come, follow me. Repent, believe the good news, and follow me. These are the major themes of Jesus' first preaching mission in Galilee. He wasn't saying feel guilty. He wasn't saying, um, you know, have a sense of mourn and dread. But he was saying stop thinking what you have been thinking and come follow me. I'm going to show you a different way. And I think this is what people would, be, would have been surprised about. They would have said, what? Are you about to start a war? You know, are you, are you part of the zealot, the Sakari movement? Are you ready to start a war and overthrow Rome? No. You don't understand. Come, follow me. What, are, are we going off into the desert to live away from everybody else? No, that's not what we're doing. Come, follow me. Are we going to isolate ourselves into a little group? No, that's not at all what we're doing. Come, follow me, and I'll show you. Because the kingdom of God is not about any of those things. It's about changing this world from within. It's about justice justice and righteousness and peace. And Jesus is saying to his friends, we are going to bring the kingdom now, right here, right now. It is among you. We're going, to, we're going to make a city set on a hill that people are going to want to flock to, that people will want to come to. We are going to create an army that has no armor and whose weapons are peace. We're going to create a world that's ravaged by selfishness and show it what generosity and kindness and decency look like. See, I think that most every day, many of us, if not all of us, often pray a prayer that goes like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 
And I think for a long time, I thought something different about what thy kingdom come means. I think for a long time, my thoughts about God's kingdom coming were about, you know, Jesus showing up in the air and, and, and you know, stopping everything. It's all over. We're going to reorder it. Well, that might be it, but that's not what the prayer is about. When Jesus tells his friends to pray this way, pray that God's kingdom will come to earth now. In me. In us. That his will would be done in us. On earth, just like it is in heaven. In the same way, right now. And so the kingdom of Christ comes to us. The kingdom of God comes to us in Christ when we show generous hospitality. It is so easy in this world to set limits. You know, I'll give this much, but that's no more. You know, this is where I stop. This is where I draw the line. We have a world that has an ethic of selfishness. We live in, in, in where you have to take care of number one. That is not the way of Christ. Resist selfishness. Imagine Jesus with the multitudes, right? There are thousands of people who need fed. He says, we need to feed these people. And what do people, what do his friends say? Um, well, just to let you know, we've got, um, we've got two fish and three loaves of bread. <laughs> you know, there are thousands of people here. We couldn't pay them with a year's salary. So, um, maybe what we ought to do is send them along and we'll eat this fish and these loaves of bread and we'll be, we'll be filled. No. Take what you have, give it and see if God doesn't multiply it and make it more and more and more. Don't be selfish. Be generous. Be be ridiculously generous. Be over-the-top generous. Heal those who are hurting. Uh, there's a great story in the, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels, in the Synoptics, where there's um, this guy, his name is Jairus, and he comes to Jesus and he says, My 12-year-old daughter is sick unto death. Will you come and heal her? And Jesus says, okay, and he goes with him. And along the way, there's a crowd of people, and there's a woman who um, has been uh, in a menstrual cycle for 12 years. 12-year-old daughter, a woman suffering for 12 years. In, in Jewish world, this would have meant that she was, she was you know, ritually unclean, could not participate in any of the worship of Israel. And she just grabs hold of the, the hem of his garment and finds healing. And he stops, and you know what he calls her? Daughter. Oh, it's a wonderful wordplay in there. There's a daughter who needs healing, and here's a daughter, his daughter, who needs healing. And he heals her. He goes to people who are untouchable, who are unclean. It reminds me of the work of Mother Teresa in Calcutta, that she would go and take the lowest of the low, the unwanted of society, and heal them. It's listening to people. Listening to people who don't deserve to be listened to. Zacchaeus, a tax collector. A hated person. Not just like somebody who worked for the IRS, but somebody who stole from his friends and neighbors to make himself rich. And Jesus says to him, let's go to your house for lunch today. To make peace. When someone hits you on the cheek, to turn to the other one also. Choose gentleness and kindness and mercy. Follow me. Don't do kingdom coming like you see around you with isolation with compromise, with violence. That's not the way the kingdom of God comes. Follow me. Do these things. Mark is setting us up. You want to see the kingdom come into the world? This is the way it happens. 
And you know what? So often in the church, we go back to those tried and true ways. Churches who are so, they're so passionate about holiness that they isolate themselves from everybody. Or churches who are so compromising that there's, there's zero difference between them and the people who are uh, outside of the kingdom. Or churches that become deeply political. They think that one political party is, is the ideal form of, of government and the ideal form of the kingdom coming in the world. I know, that hurt. <laughs> the kingdom of God does not come in those ways. Come, follow me, Jesus says. I thought about Benjamin sitting outside of that uh, that cafe and, and the woman who looks down and sees him and and thinks, you know, this poor little pauper boy who's probably run away from home and is living on the streets. And, and nothing could have been actually more different from the truth. That he lives in the suburbs. <laughs> he, he's, he has parents who love him. He hasn't missed a meal ever in his life. Unless by choice. <laughs> this, is, this is not the thing that you think it is. And when Jesus says, repent... Change your mind. The kingdom isn't what you thought it was. Come. Follow me. I'll show you how to bring it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.